And it's that time of the weekend, that time of this Wednesday, to uh, bring to you another Wednesday morning discussion with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Good morning, Andrew. Morning, Karen. Great to be with you again. And just before we get underway, I just want to mention that next week, WayFM launches our annual Radiothon. And you'll be hearing a little bit more about that on air. We'll be talking about some of the aspects of that. Also, if you are a supporter of YFM, part of our family, we'll be writing to you. I'll be writing to you today, so you'll probably get that before the end of the week as well. Just to tell you some really positive news, let me just give you a snippet of that news, Cameron. At YFM, we are listener-supported. The government has put restrictions on us as a station to ensure that we remain a community-supported station. It, it, one of the ways they do that is they restrict how much advertising or sponsorship we can air per hour, and that is we can only air five minutes of, of advertising per hour. That's a restriction placed on us by the government so that the bulk of our support comes from the community. So the government recognises that we are here to serve the community and they say the community get behind you, you can remain viable. So this is this is why we need uh, the support of the community. We've, we've made some uh, cutbacks and we, we think we have been fairly um, good stewards of the resources that we've got and now we're, we're in a situation where we've got a couple of challenges before us as we come up to the close of the financial year. And so our Radiothon has the goal of raising $40,000. Now that will go a long way to, for us to meet some of the challenges. People might wonder, what, what do we need that kind of money for? Well, firstly, having a, a transmitter is one of the most effective ways to communicate with people. It's arguably far more effective than the internet, Cameron, because you don't need to be plugged in. You don't need to, you know, pay a, a subscription to a, a provider to be able to receive it. It's just there. You can get it on your radio, in your car, in your home, in your kitchen. So radio is still one of the most powerful means of communicating with people. Sure is. To do it effectively, it costs money. That's just the reality of it. So it costs a lot to have a transmitter and to uh, maintain that transmitter. Secondly, broadcast licenses. And then every time you hear a song played we have to pay royalties. So these things add up to thousands and thousands of dollars. It's, it, it is you know, upwards of $20,000 we pay in royalties every year just to be able to broadcast music. So th there's a lot of costs associated with it, but we actually think as much as those costs are, the benefit that WayFM is to the community far and far outweighs those costs. Correct. So here's some exciting news. We, we have over the – and next week in particular, we're going to feature some stories from people who have had, in some, some instances, dramatic uh, impact, positive impacts on their life because of things they've heard on WayFM. We're also going to have people who will share their stories that are far less dramatic but nonetheless important and valuable in the contribution that what we're doing here has made to their lives as well. So we, we have several people who are very influential people who really believe in what we're doing 
and we are so grateful for them. And Cameron, as of this week, let me tell you two exciting things I think that have that have developed here, which I hope will encourage our supporters next week to really get behind our appeal to raise this $40,000, which we have to raise before June 30. And that is this. We have a, a, a few supporters who are very, very generous to AFM, and this is what they've done. They have dug deep, and this is what they have said. We, we will match dollar for dollar everything you raise during your Radiothon. Cameron, that means if if someone gives $50 next week to our Radiothon, that becomes $100. If you give $100, that becomes $200. Now, that in itself is exciting, and, and we are just so grateful to the generosity of these supporters. Absolutely. These are, you know, a, a few large donors who really, really believe in what we're doing, and we're just so grateful for that. And it, it's it's an effective way for you to virtually double your gift to AFM. Now, as if that wasn't great news enough, just that alone, here's the other great news. Uh, Cameron, for every gift to AFM of $100 or more, we have another donor who feels very, very passionately about refugees. In fact, this donor is a, a Christian who who wants to do something very, very practical for Iraqi families fleeing the persecution of ISIS or ISIL or IS, however you want to identify them. And there are currently, the, the numbers are just staggering, Cameron. There, yesterday I heard there are some 13 million people who have been displaced because of the the reign of terror being wreaked by ISIS. And so this this uh, donor, this supporter, who also believes in what we're doing here at WFM, has said, I want to support your Radiothon, but I also want to help raise awareness of what's happening in the Middle East right now with this ISIS crisis. And so this is what he said. For every gift of $100 or more, I will personally pay for a Feed the Hungry emergency kit to be given to every family. I want to make sure my language is right here. For every gift of $100 or more, he will provide a Feed the Hungry emergency kit to an Iraqi family fleeing from ISIS. So refugees. Now that includes food, uh, cooking provisions, blankets, uh, hygiene um, uh, utensils and and supplies, and uh, children's clothes, and Arabic Bibles. So all in that hamper, it's enough to feed a family for a few weeks and it, it gives some emergency provisions for them. So for every gift of $100 or more to AFM next week during our Radiothon, you will also be touching the lives of a family in 
the Middle East who are fleeing the terror of IS. So, Cameron, there's it's pretty two, big. Oh, look, th- this is huge. And I'm just so proud of the fact that we can be a part of this. I think this is going to be huge. Mm. Um, by the way, this is uh, something we have never, ever done before. YFM has never been able to no. finish the year this positively. And we are really taking a step of faith. But I, I think it's doable, especially now that we've got dollar matching and yep. the incentive that every gift over $100 will go to provide a Feed the Hungry. And you can find out more about this at feedthehungry.org.au, I think it is, where an organisation has been set up to to provide these emergency relief kits. So two great pieces of news, Cameron. Yep. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the Radiothon. We're going to be changing things around next week a bit as well. You'll be doing... Uh, mornings and afternoons, actually, I yeah, think, correct, uh, yep. next week. And it's going to be a busy time. Yeah, it's going to be a busy time, <laughs> but, but look, it's all hands on deck next yeah. week. And if you are a supporter of YFM who does have a little bit of time, perhaps you can volunteer to help man our phones. I know Meryl's coming up to help with that. Um, and, oh, and, I'll, and so we've thank got, you, Meryl. Yeah, got some help from Meryl. So thank you for that, Meryl. We'll uh, be coordinating that a bit, a bit closer as well. And we also have some of our announcers will be pulling extra shifts so uh, Karen Dixon uh, one of our most popular announcers through the week who normally does Wednesday afternoon will be doing Monday and Wednesday afternoon and yours truly yeah, he's making his debut oh, folks making my <laughs> DJ debut look out Avicii I say I'll be doing drive oh, Karen oh, so mate. next week I'm doing drive and our Saturday morning breakfast announcer john gregory is going to come and and steer the ship uh through breakfast next week uh, from seven to nine and we're also bringing in a guest announcer uh phil gray now phil gray is no stranger to tasmania he is a tasmanian by heritage and he was involved in some of the commercial radio stations i think hofm and cfm and the like uh in hobart and uh, he's going to be flying in f- for the week uh, to be part of uh, our team as well for the week, a guest announcer with John. So, look, um, it's, it's going to be great. Um, hopefully, I think we've got Rene coming in with you for the, for the mornings and yeah. uh, commiserations to Rene on the passing of her dad this week. Our heart goes out to you, Rene, and to your family. And... So next week, look, it is going to be—it's going to be huge, Cameron, and we're really looking forward to it. Now, just before we go to to music, just let me introduce what we're going to talk about now, and I think this is going to have practical application to many people listening. I sometimes think of parenting as an aspect of leadership, and in fact, I, I look at the two and I, parenting and leadership, and I wonder: do you do you help people to become better parents by teaching leadership principles? Or do you help leaders to become better leaders by teaching them parenting principles? Because the two are so closely related. And today we're we're in a, a, a really you know, a tipping point in many respects because when we look at what's happening in a in a generation that's coming up now, we have a generation that is now growing up without the influence of a mother and a father. And as 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 strange as that sounds to many people When I talk with my children who are in uh, classes, uh, classrooms, my uh, two of my daughters who um, went through local schools here and one is still going through a local government school, 
she says, Daddy, I, I think there's one other child in my class who has both mum and dad at home. Everyone else comes from a home where they either live with mum or they live with dad or they, you know, swap between the two. And for many of these kids, that unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, that's become their normal experience. And the and the problem that's being created here is that we're, we, we, we've given rise to this term dysfunctional. You ever heard of a dysfunctional family, Cameron? Certainly have. <laughs> yep. It's unfortunate mm, that it we've is. even got this horrible yeah. term, dysfunctional. So when we come back from this music break, I want to talk about functional parenting tips. And I'm aware that there are even intact families and, and there are mums and dads who are really struggling with their kids. And I've got some practical things, practical advice on how you can develop functional parenting and raise some functional kids. So let's come back after this music break and get into it, Cameron. Indeed. Stay tuned. It's going to be a good discussion once again. It's 8.48, Launceston's Way FM. This morning for our uh, Wednesday discussion with Dr. Andrew Corbett on uh, functional parenting tips. That's, of course, Cats in the Cradle, originally written by Harry Chapman. was a hit for Harry Chapman in the 70s, but it was also a hit in the 90s for that group there, Ugly Kid Joe. So, Andrew, we're very passionate about families here oh, at Life, we? Oh, we are, actually, and I think this is such a, a, a critically important thing. And in many respects, families are under a lot of pressure. Parents have often got to both go out and work, and sometimes they are ships in the night themselves. They, they, they sort of tag-team parent, and this is a, a lot of pressure for parents to be able to deal with. So when we're talking about being functional parents producing functional children so that you can have a functional family we we never used to use this language but i think now with what we call dysfunctionality we we have the 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 challenge of how do we do it because one of the one of the big challenges we all have cameron is we're raised in a home and then we become parents and we we only know what we were raised with the the problem there is what if you weren't raised functionally what what if you were instead of being uh, built as I'll, I'll talk about in a moment you were actually hurt you were broken and so let me sort of put it right out there firstly what we mean by functional a functional person is someone who is socially adept that is they know how to mix they know how to get along with people and this is this is what it looks like they are pleasant cooperative polite responsive resilient and considerate i wish we had time to explore each of those words but let me say this we are in a society that is celebrated by hollywood for being individualistic it's what I can do what I can get out of life. It's it's me. Uh, do it my way. And this is this is rather odd, because for thousands and thousands of years, human beings have not interacted this way. It's a, a peculiarly Western that that is um, uh, Europe, America, Australia, um, South Africa. That, that those those parts of the world that consider themselves linked to the to the warmer british empire it's a a peculiarly western idea to be the rugged 
individual. In fact, outside of you know the former British influence, and um, this is not I'm not denigrating that at all. I'm I'm just pointing it out that this is a contrast. In many parts of the world, they have a completely different sense of what community means, and of course. From a church point of view, from a Christian point of view, that that also has a direct bearing. We we now live in the in an age when the hero, when the individual is celebrated, and the problem is when you're trying to do family, and that's your model, that's the way you view the world. It can actually hinder what you're trying to do. So a functional person is someone who knows how to get along with other people, and those words pleasant, cooperative, polite, responsive. Uh, resilient and considerate are all the traits of someone who is functional uh, we could add to it but let's start there and wh- where we would probably add to it is that they they develop the traits of character so that they can contribute to community character traits such as diligence and work ethics and and so on but let's start there this is someone who is able to get along with other people and they develop the ability to be responsive to other people so when someone comes up to your child and says you look handsome or pretty today the child doesn't go oh no I don't uh, the child has learned to be socially responsive with a and the parent may have the child hear their child say that and the parent now begins to parent their child and they take the child aside and and they will say hey when someone says that to you that's not appropriate to respond that way the most appropriate way to respond when someone compliments you is simply not to disagree with them not to have an argument with them about whether you look handsome or pretty but to actually say cameron what's the word uh that's a good question no the word is thank you thank you it is thank you yes good 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 <laughs> thank you if someone oh, pays do, 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 do. if someone pays you a compliment I'm going to have to take you aside in a moment, Cameron, yes, you are. build yeah. you up functionally. Naughty boy, yes. <laughs> the, the simplest thing for a parent to teach their child to do is to be able to say, thank you for that. And that's, that's a little yes. thing, but it, but it creates functional children. Yes. Here's one just before we go to news. A, a person's parents are the primary agents for helping to guide them to being built into a functional person. Now, here's the, the role of a dad. The, a dad primarily adds to the value of their, their child's functionality by adding boundaries. The dad is the one who says, this far, no further. Um, the dad is the one who says, this, not that. The dad is the one who says, no or yes. So the dad adds boundaries, and it's important that dads step up and do that. I, I see passive dads. They're out with their family and they expect their wife to do the chasing after the kids, the disciplining the kids, mm. the running after the kids, and the dad will just sit there passive. And I, and I look at this and think, what on earth is going on here? What is this child supposed to think about the role of a dad when they're seeing their dad utterly passive and not engaging with them? A mum, on the other hand, adds consideration. It's yeah. the mum that adds yes. that nurturing soft touch that 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 element of consideration children are more likely to talk to their mums too about things because of this aspect a a dad provides a boundary mums provide a soft place called consideration Cameron let's come back after the news I've got a few more 
parenting tips to help parents Excellent. become functional parents and produce functional children. Okay, back with more in a moment here on YFM. Here's the news now. It's 9 o'clock. Conversation now with Dr. Andrew Corbett about the uh, subject of um, of family and uh, good family tips. Tell me, uh, Andrew, are you looking forward to your stint on uh, the Radiothon for Drive? <laughs> well, it was, uh, as you know, Cameron, I have avoided being on the other side you of this have. desk. Yes, and, you, yes, you have. And so we, 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 but we think this is so important what we're doing and it's uh as we all are putting pulling extra shifts and we're all going to you know dig deep and and uh, do our best next week to help our our wayfm family to uh get behind what we're doing here i i I am looking forward to it i think it'll be uh, just a a tremendous week it'll be a week of history in many respects and it, it will help us set up for the next little while as well. We've we've got some exciting things that are happening. The other thing that, that I probably should mention as well is, and this this is just an indication of how much belief there is out there in what we're doing. Back in March, we had launched our future fund to help help uh, update our ninety eight point one transmitter. So for those people who have said, look, 98.1, our translator frequency has been struggling a bit. Yeah, it has, and it, it does need some repairs done to it. To do that means you've got to you've got to have riggers and a helicopter, and you've got to have all the. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff up there, and you just can't just drive up there. No, you can't. You know, That's open the thing. It up yeah, there no. And so uh, we we were looking at raising uh, twenty thousand dollars to get that repaired, and I can report to our wayfm family that we now have that fully subscribed so thank you very much to those supporters who have subscribed to that who have funded that it's just outstanding so now we're looking at booking the the repair work to be done it's going to be a little bit tricky to for them to navigate through winter and they've got to get good days without wind and all that sort of stuff so hopefully we'll have 98.1 back on air shortly and so that helps us as well so we're looking forward next week to the radiothon um, as we promote and continue to promote what what it takes to have a healthy functional family some of these practical tips speaking of which cameron functional parenting tips i've just mentioned that a dad contributes by adding boundaries to his his children and a mum contributes by adding consideration it's it's something that perhaps is worth thinking about when we see children who we we just you know we might dismiss oh they're they're dysfunctional or they come from a dysfunctional home we're seeing more and more of this and and i know that my pastoral colleagues in launceston are also having to deal increasingly with people who don't have some of the what we might call basic parenting skills where they they have been able to foster the kind of home environment where children are safe secure and functional let's just for a moment talk about how that can go wrong how that can go horribly wrong and recently i was written to by someone in launceston who 
is now advanced in years, but they said from the age of five, the abuse began. Wow. Mm. And it lasted for the next seven years. And this is, it really, really annoys me and those of us who are involved in trying to help people whose lives have been damaged by dysfunctionality. You see, what hap- when, when abuse happens, that's, it's not only wrong, it's, it's incredibly damaging. And it, it just, it, it, it kind of frustrates me and annoys me when people talk as if abuse, particularly physical or sexual abuse, is just, well, something you can just get over. It's, that is just, any, anyone who's been through it, anyone who's had to try and help someone who went through that, you will quickly realize there, there is more to the human psyche than just, you know, a bunch of carbon cells from the, from the top of the head to the tip of the toe. We aren't meat from the top down, Cameron. There is something that makes us human beings unique, and it is this aspect to us called our soul. The Greek word for soul, by the way, is suke, where we get the word psychology from. So psychology okay. is the study of the soul. Yeah, okay. So when when psychologists are trying to help people understand why they perhaps are angry or always looking for something and they can't actually articulate what it is, it's often because someone's been damaged. If you can think of your soul being guarded by a, a wall, a protective wall, and when a parent in particular doesn't build that wall, and that might be one thing not to have it built, but when a parent actually damages that wall, when a parent says things or does things or physically harms or, God forbid, sexually harms a child, that wall, it's not that that wall isn't built, it's that wall is damaged. And that child then grows up with this huge breach in the wall of their soul and they will do things to try and fill that breach they will they will build a false wall i've met many people who've got walls up and they're false walls that they are walls where that have said i've been hurt and i'm not letting anybody in that close to my soul again and that's the privilege of parenting that we we connect directly with the soul of our children it's a sacred trust so to do that, it means parents have to be consistent. It involves being strong as a parent. This is where I, I, I mentioned before, I'm not sure whether you need leadership skills to parent or whether you need parenting skills to lead. And the two are almost interchangeable because when a parent wants to produce a functional child, they will soon discover that their child will resist. And to produce a functional child means that child has to be corrected. I mentioned before just a, a almost, almost trivial example where the child is complimented by someone and then the child dismisses the compliment and even argues with the person and tells them they're wrong. And a parent may, may what am I saying? A parent should take their child aside and a wise parent will say, take this as a moment to teach their child, hey, when someone 
compliments you, you, you don't need to do that. What you should just simply say is thank you. Just say thank you. Now, what what is happening there is called correction. And I know that there are some parents who don't like to correct their children. And, and, I, and uh, I, I guess if you're looking... If, if you're wondering why your child is becoming rude, impolite, inconsiderate, disrespectful, that you might want to start there. You might want to look at, well, have I put in place the language of correction? Have I, have I helped them to understand that we don't, there's a lot of things in life you just don't naturally end up with. It need, you need to be corrected into it. And when a parent can can teach their child the language of correction, which sounds like this, I love you. I, I want I want you to be the best you can be. To be that person and for me to love you, I need to correct you so that you can become that person. When a child understands that language, they then begin to hear other people differently. And because if you don't if you've never been taught that language what happens is you, you go into your adult life and you hear someone try and correct you and all it sounds like is a put down. It sounds like sharp criticism. It sounds like they're attacking you. And we, we and this is where children who've learned the language of correction have also learned to become resilient. That is, someone says, hey, you really goofed there where you said this or did that and rather than the child becoming the the now adult becoming defensive and and on the the front foot you know uh, not not hearing that as a an act of love as an act of someone who who's really caring they they begin to lash out and they they become ugly and aggressive because they've built up this false wall that says I will not let anybody touch my soul again because the last time that happened they damaged me and so many children who need the love the boundary love of a father and don't get it any of those young boys grow up looking for the love of a man and confusing what real love is in the process Cameron let's come back after this music break and I'm going to give five practical tips on how parents can raise functional children by doing some functional parenting skills. Okay, back with that shortly. You're on YFM. It's 9.15. Good morning. Drag Radio for Life at 9.22. We're in discussion with uh, Dr. Andrew Corbett as we are every Wednesday morning at this time today talking about functional parenting tips. Yeah, Cameron, I want to give five and I want to count them down from number five to number one. The In order of priority but not in order of urgency and functional parenting is it best begins early early in the child's development and this for any new parent can can begin almost from the moment of birth you know the the touch of a mother the hug of a father even from being a newborn infant these these are the aspects that add functionality to a child because as you'll discover young daughters daughters will grow up and they will need their dad to adapt and any dad 
who doesn't understand this probably needs just to re- reflect on this a bit and keep listening to YFM because throughout the day you'll hear some of these parenting tips as well. When your daughter is young, uh, hugging, holding her hand, talking with her, getting down on the floor, playing games with her, these are really important. Take an interest in her, walking with her, really important. When she hits teen years, you've got to change slightly, but probably not as much as you think. And this is where many dads think, well, she's older now, she doesn't really want to hug. You'll be surprised. Teenage daughters probably more than ever need a hug from their dad and I know many dads may maybe feel awkward doing that I love doing that in front of uh, crowds actually with my daughter she loves it too oh that's good that's lovely (laughs) which one oh all of them okay (laughs) all of them do Ruby doesn't feel the awkwardness of it at the moment but even when Zoe does you know we'll drop Zoe off at school and uh, just wind the window down and yell out we love you, Zoe. You know, she loves that. I'm telling you, Cameron, even though the look of disgust and embarrassment comes on her face, I'm sure deep down she really loves it. Of course she does. So here's here's five things. Number five, parents, and this is where it, so this is where it starts. This is the urgency, and we build up to the most important, but this is where it starts. Number five, parents have to cooperate rather than compete one of the worst things you can do if you want to if you want a recipe for dysfunctional kids and producing a dysfunctional family disagree constantly in front of your children you do that and you are almost guaranteed to raise dysfunctional children so parents have to learn to cooperate rather than compete and this becomes really really tricky when the home is broken when mum and dad share the parenting in different different homes this this takes a great deal of effort to cooperate rather than compete and you see kids who get the latest everything from one parent and the other parent can't compete with that and it's 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 competition rather than cooperative parenting it's about appeasing the parent's guilt than it is producing a functional child. So that's number five. Number four, parents have to model functionality. And that that looks like, you know, these aspects of functionality that I mentioned, when someone corrects you, 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 you see it as a gift. You don't become defensive and see it as an attack. And if a child can see a parent being corrected and appropriately responding to that that helps that child to form a a model of this is what functional adulthood looks like when when a child sees their parent speaking well of someone and not pulling others down not smiling and saying oh it's great to see it's great to see and then they walk away and go oh what a catty person that is i really don't like that but if a child sees their parent doing that it it gives a false model for what functionality looks like and so parents have to model this and that's those words that we used before when we said pleasant cooperative polite responsive resilient and considerate so parents need to model that number three parents emotionally brace themselves for resistance from their child now here's a news flash cameron all 
children are born strong-willed. Now, that means when you correct them, when you parent them, you will meet resistance. You will encounter resistance from them. So you have to, as a parent, be emotionally braced for that. You're going to say, hey, come on, you, you need to go and apologize to your sister. No, I won't. Well, now what are we going to do? As a parent, what are you going to do? Yes, you are. Come on. And so when they're little, that's when you want to do it. Don't leave it too late. But you need to be able to show them this is, this is how the real world works despite their resistance, despite their strong-willed resistance to what you're trying to do. Number two, parents build. That is, they add value to their child by being consistent, intentional. So when, when parents are parenting their children, it's not like, gee, I hope they turn out okay. To, what does okay look like? What is So when you're intentional, you're saying, you know, they, that's, they, those, those words, pleasant, cooperative, polite, responsive, resilient, and considerate. Maybe I'll make that the goal. Maybe that's where I'm heading with this. And so you're intentionally doing things, not just hoping it happens. You're actually taking steps to make it happen. That's called building. It involves strategic disciplining. In other words, your discipline is consistent because you're trying to help your child to develop those traits. Now, parents won't always get this right. Sometimes parents will say things, do things. Dads, if I can speak on behalf of the dads, sometimes dads get cranky and they snap and they say things that wound a child. And and, and you probably will. And mums may do it as well. And in those instances, parents, to be a functional parent, you've got to learn how to repair your wounded child. And this is what it involves. It involves apologizing, listening, affirming the child. I really do love you. I'm sorry I did that. I shouldn't have said that. I I love you more than anything in the world. So affirming that child, praying with the child, appropriate touch, acts of consideration and attention. So to, to be able to go up at the end of the day when your child's gone to bed and just sit on their bedside and stroke their head, ask them how their day was and talk to them about what they're hoping to achieve tomorrow and maybe even just some light banter. What are you going to dream about tonight? Oh, I don't know, Daddy. What would you like to dream about tonight? And you just as you're stroking their head, you're helping them calm down from the day and and you're there. And those moments become memorable moments that build your relationship with your child. And it's actually out of that strength of relationship that you have the authority to do these things, to build the functionality into your child. And here's number one. You want to produce a functional child? Introduce them to the one, capital O, who loves them most and will always be present to comfort, guide, and correct by coming to God by learning who God is by teaching your child that God is on their side not against them that God is for them not against them that God is there to comfort them when they need it 
to guide them when they need it and to correct them when they don't want it. They will become functional. Those are five tips, Cameron, that will help any parent to function, to, to parent functionally and to produce functional children. Cameron. 